Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Off and running on a Wednesday, already the middle of the week for week two. This is the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget, by the way, to subscribe to the show. If you listen like uh, in browser or something on the website, wherever you get your podcast, you can get this. So you just go in, hit subscribe, and it'll auto-populate to your phone uh, every day. So now that the season's begun, we're going to do probably four uh, days a week instead of the regular three. So don't miss an episode. It'll auto-populate to your phone every day. Just find uh, the podcast app on Apple or Google Play, wherever you get them. And subscribe there, and also leave a rating and a review. That would be greatly appreciated. A bunch of stuff to talk about today. First of all, I did watch Kentucky and Auburn like I promised I would last night. So I've got some takeaways from what I saw. Keys to the game for Ole Miss. What uh, the, the big picture things they have to do to get a win on Saturday. And what I think is a very winnable game for them. I know the line is six and a half, something like that. I think it's a game that Ole Miss can win. And I'll give you the reasons why I think they can and uh, the keys to the game. And also my SEC power rankings. My overreacting from week one SEC power rankings. All of that is coming up here in just a little bit. But first, got to remind you that the show is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Stop by, go see Greg, tell him that we sent you here at Super Talk and... Uh, Don't forget to get one of their daily lunch specials as well. They are open seven days a week, so don't get your football weekend started the wrong way by not going to LB's, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. All right, let's get started here. Uh, Did go back and watch the Kentucky-Auburn game. I had it on at the same time as uh, Ole Miss-Florida, and as you guys know, it's really hard to watch two football games at once. I mean, like it, it was there, I saw it, but I didn't really get to actually truly watch so I went back and did it last night and here are a few things uh, that I've taken away from that the first thing is Kentucky is going to be a very different challenge uh, for Ole Miss the style of play the quarterback very very different between what you saw last Saturday against Florida and this Saturday coming up against Kentucky and it all starts with the quarterback I think uh, honestly this may not be the best comparison, but watching Kentucky kind of reminded me of the way the Saints are having to run their offense now. Here's what I mean by that. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Drew Brees is 41 years old, and that arm is just not the same anymore. And really, for the last couple of years, the Saints have rarely relied on the deep ball to move their offense. It's a, a very screen-based game, which I didn't see a whole lot of that with Kentucky. Like I said, it's not the best comparison, but... New Orleans now, with the, the, the state of Breeze's arm, uh, keeps everything kind of underneath. It's, it's timing routes, it's short routes, uh, methodically move the football down the field. Of course, they use their dynamic running back in Alvin Kamara, and he's a huge part of the passing game. Kentucky's got good backs. They don't have an Alvin Kamara, of course, but that's kind of what I saw with Kentucky. They have a quarterback, similarly to the Saints, That doesn't really test anybody down the field. I don't think Terry Wilson, I told you this going into the season, and and I think it was proven on Saturday, 
is not a guy that you're afraid of throwing the football down the the field in the same way you saw from Kyle Trask. I mean, Kyle Trask, you guys saw it. Everybody saw it. Really effective downfield passer. He was last year as well. So little hype this offseason for Kyle Trask, and I think that was a mistake on the media's part. Uh, Terry Wilson is not that guy. He, uh, Their offense and the way they use him is mostly quick, short passes, underneath routes, very comfortable, easy passing game because he is limited throwing the football. Accuracy down the field is an issue. Uh, I mean, he's not terrible. Don't get me wrong. He's not bad. It's just he's not as good as Kyle Trask at throwing the ball down the field. And Kentucky really plays to his strengths, and I noticed that on Saturday. Keeping everything kind of uh, underneath. It reminds me of the Saints in that way. They have a quarterback that's kind of limited throwing the ball down the field. And now that I've said all this, he's going to you know throw bombs all over the field against Ole Miss because, um, as you guys say, uh, W-A-O-M. Um, but he's very different. He's not Kyle Trask in that regard. Kentucky plays to his strengths. They keep everything underneath. Very quick, easy passing game. Very non-threatening. Because he's a good runner. He's an effective runner. Um, the, the passing game is very non-threatening. And so uh, I think Ole Miss might uh, dial up some pressure and, and load the box. That was the biggest concern uh, last week and, and when I had people ask me, you know, why isn't Ole Miss sending more on the blitz? Well, if Florida picks it up, it means you've got one-on-one matchups in the back end and Kyle Pitts and uh, Grimes and company are going to exploit and win those one-on-one matchups. And Kyle Trask is just too good at throwing the ball down the field uh, to give them that opportunity. It was kind of a double-edged sword. It's you don't send anybody on the blitz and you give Kyle Trask time you send people to try to get to him, and you have one-on-one matchups with not much safety help, stuff like that on the back end. It, it was a double-edged sword for uh, you know, Ole Miss defensively, uh, DJ Durkin and Patridge and, and those guys. I, I don't, I don't envy their job or didn't envy their job on Saturday because no matter what you do, Florida was going to explore it, exploit it. I don't think Kentucky is really as capable as Florida at doing that. So yeah, I do expect Ole Miss to, uh, to load the box up and, and dare uh, Wilson to beat them vertically because um, I, I don't know if he's as capable as Trask. And if he does, I mean, you've got to pick your poison. But but I expect to see uh, a lot more pressure being brought from Ole Miss and more guys in the box daring Terry Wilson uh, to beat them through the air. And then... Um, Kentucky's going to want to play physical, uh, and they've got uh, a veteran really everywhere. I mean, they're veteran across the board, but uh, on defense, they're going to want to play physical. They they stop the run well. Um, they're solid on the defensive line. They're solid uh, really in the front seven on defense. I think they are susceptible on the back end of the defense. Uh, I don't know if they have uh, the talent that Florida has. I think Ole Miss can really get Kentucky there, but the front seven, they're, they're going to play physical, and they stopped the run. Auburn struggled to run the football against Kentucky because they're just solid up front. I mean, nobody just jumps off the page at you, but it's just a bunch of, and I played the audio for you the other day, Lane Kiffin said the same thing. It's just a solid, uh, disciplined defense up front, and you can see that when you watch them, especially when they play against Auburn. It's uh, just a bunch of guys that, that 
really don't make mistakes, play good assignment football. Offensively, Kentucky made a bunch of mistakes uh, on Saturday. Terry Wilson uh, had a bad fumble. There was another bad fumble. Um, a pick six that would have been, but a targeting on a block behind the play uh, took that uh, interception return for a touchdown off the board. Uh, Wilson, for example, on a two-point conversion, threw the ball away because he was under pressure. Uh, I mean, and, and this was in the third quarter of the game. Uh, so they were down two because Auburn did like the swinging gate thing in the first quarter, which is kind of nifty. Uh, the way they did it. Bo Nix was actually on the field goal team and threw the completion for a two-point conversion doing the swinging gate. It was it was kind of cool. It was a, a neat play design, but Kentucky had to go for two to make that point up. And Terry Wilson just casually threw the ball, I mean, into the stance, just threw it away, not understanding uh, situational football. So Kentucky offensively made a bunch of mistakes on Saturday. Defensively, I didn't see many. Uh, they're really solid and they're physical uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think the running backs are really good. Uh, Cavassier Smoke is a guy that only got seven carries in the game. I think he's a guy that Ole Miss wanted, if I remember correctly. Uh, between Smoke and, and Rose and Wilson, the quarterback, that's um, a pretty, pretty dynamic backfield uh, that Kentucky will have. Now, Auburn was able to stop them a little bit, but Auburn has significantly better players uh, in the defensive front than Ole Miss. So I expect Kentucky to not really take many shots, to play underneath, play physical, run the football. Like I said, very different challenge uh, that you're going to get from Kentucky than you saw from Florida. I don't expect many deep shots. I expect them to try to run the football, get smoke more carries, uh, but they're going to run the football a lot. They had some moderate success against Auburn, and they probably see something that they can exploit in Ole Miss when it comes to running uh, the football, which is really their comfort zone as opposed to testing them uh, vertically. This is a good team and an interesting test for Ole Miss. Um, they, they are going to get some bodies back uh, on defense, and we'll see what happens with Otis Reese. He, I mean, I don't think anybody's really covering Kyle Pitts, but I'm sure the best player on that defense, who happens to be a safety, probably would have made a bit of a difference uh, against Florida, but... Uh, a very interesting test uh, for this team coming up with Kentucky. Uh, keys for the game. I've got four written down here. Uh, just basic keys for Ole Miss to beat Kentucky based on the one game that I was able to watch uh, when they played Auburn on Saturday. Uh, number one is test them vertically because Auburn had success doing it. Now, they didn't do it a whole lot. I mean, Bo Nix only had 16 completions in the game, but... When they threw the football, they had success. Seth Williams, uh, nobody for Kentucky could guard Seth Williams. I mean, he, he's pretty special. But Williams and Stove and Schwartz and Capers all had, Capers only had one catch, but it was for 17 yards. Bo Nix, who is not as talented throwing the football as Matt Corral, had success when he was asked to do it, throwing the football down the field. You had longs for Auburn receivers of 32 for Williams, 21 for Stowe, 23 for Schwartz, 17 for Capers in the game. So, and I saw it, Kentucky's susceptible in the back end of the defense, I think. And Ole Miss, to me, has a better group of receivers and weapons than Auburn does. The stats maybe don't show it because of the way the offense was ran a year ago and how Elijah Moore went off, but I think... 
Drummond and Yaboa and those guys after Elijah Moore, I think there are there's more capable talent for Ole Miss than there is Auburn, and they had success. So test Kentucky vertically. Um, Matt Corral is more talented than Bo Nix throwing the football. Ole Miss has better wide receivers uh, than Auburn, and they had great success doing it. Um, if Corral plays anyway like he did last Saturday against this Kentucky defense, I think Ole Miss should be able to score uh, pretty frequently against the back end of this Kentucky defense. you got to get other guys involved, though, because you know Kentucky's going to be prepared to stop Elijah Moore and force somebody else to do it. So Drummond or Jonathan Mingo or Yaboa, they have to, to be ready. Maybe use um, Jerry and Ely out of the backfield some as well to try to get some of the attention off of Elijah Moore. But I do think Ole Miss has better wide receivers, and Auburn had great success down the field against Kentucky. So Ole Miss, they did it against Florida. That's key number one. Test Kentucky vertically because the front seven, I think, is very good and will have success stopping Ole Miss running the football. Number two, I think you've got to match their physicality uh, because that's what Kentucky's going to try to do. O- Ole Miss needs to control the pace and the tempo and the style of this game because if they play Kentucky's game, I think they have a possibility of losing. Kentucky's going to want to play physical. They kind of slow things down a little bit. I'm going to run the football. they got a hard-nosed, good, disciplined defensive line. Ole Miss has to be physically prepared to match up with Kentucky. Third down defense was a nightmare against Florida, but a lot of that had to do with giving up yards on the back end or yards after contact. Ole Miss has to be much better tackling and much better physically against Kentucky if they want to win the game. They have to match their physicality, but also dictate the pace and style. Kentucky's probably going to want to slow things down a little bit Ole Miss needs to dictate the pace and the style and the physicality. Number three, I think it's keep Terry Wilson contained. Uh, Don't let him get outside of the pocket. Uh, Don't let him run the football. Uh, There was an incident where um, Emory Jones, uh, the backup that Florida played for some reason, um, was able to get clear and run for a long first down against Ole Miss. And I think that's something that you cannot let Terry Wilson do against your defense. You you have to keep him contained. Uh, force him to try to beat you with his arm. Because if you're giving him space, if he's able to um, beat you with his legs, it's going to be a long day. So keep him contained in the, fo- in the pocket. Force him to throw the football against you because I don't think he's capable of doing it. They're going to want to do these quick underneath passes, load the box, force him to beat you with his arm. And if he does, you tip your hat. But that, I think that's the key for success for Ole Miss is keeping him contained in the pocket, not giving up the underneath stuff, and daring him to beat you throwing the football down the field. That's the key, the biggest key to me for beating Kentucky. If you want to limit them offensively, uh, Auburn did a really good job of that, keeping Terry Wilson contained for the most part. I mean, he still had a couple of runs in his own right, one of which um, went for a, a long first down. Uh, so he was still capable. But he had 13 carries in the game for 42 yards. And so if you take away that one first down run, and I know you can't because he, it happened, but 12 carries for 30 yards, and that's you know two and a half per carry. So um, huge difference. Keeping him in the pocket, forcing him to throw the football 
as opposed to letting him get out in space and run. Auburn did a really good job of that. That's why they won the game. That's why Kentucky struggled to score. Ole Miss needs to do a good job of that as well. And finally, the last thing is to just play another clean game. I know there were some missed assignments and stuff on the offensive line, as Kiffin mentioned. Uh, He said that Corral was late on a couple of the deep balls that would have been touchdowns that ended up just being long completions. Uh, There were some missed tackles and penalties on the defensive side, but uh, Ole Miss needs to play a clean game Uh, because Kentucky did not against Auburn. A couple fumbles, turned the football over, what would have been a pick six. Uh, They're susceptible, especially Wilson, if the previous key is done. If you force him in the pocket to throw the ball, he is prone to mistakes. Uh, If Ole Miss plays another clean game, relatively speaking, like they did on Saturday, uh, that goes a long way for them beating Kentucky. There's this narrative, by the way, which I've never understood about Matt Corral in, in mistakes. I mean, he wasn't perfect last year. I'm not saying that. But he did only have three interceptions last year. So all all this this idea that, oh, Matt Corral's mistake-prone, and we even had somebody text in the radio show to say, it's only a matter of time before Matt Corral plays like last year Matt Corral. And, you know, he's not going to throw for 400 and play basically perfect every game. But... Even as erratic as he was sometimes, he still only had three interceptions last year. So he is capable of playing clean, mistake-free football, especially now with a scheme that fits him better. I've never understood where that came from because the the numbers don't bear that out. And I know, I know, I know, playing clean football is probably a key for every game, but that... I mean, that was the difference between Kentucky being competitive um, at Auburn and not, was turnovers. I mean, that was the difference in the game. They turned the football over. Uh, Auburn really didn't, and that was your ball game. They robbed themselves of, of being competitive because they turned the football over. It was really just that simple. So... Um, that's usually one for every week, I know. But uh, especially when it comes to Ole Miss, they played offensively anyway, relatively mistake-free. And if they do that again, they'll have a really good chance uh, at winning the game. So we will see. Uh, I had somebody tell me yesterday that they think it's a, uh, a must-win for Ole Miss. I think we're still way too early in Lane Kiffin's tenure uh, for any game this season to be a must-win. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if uh, you can really apply that phrase to any game that they will play this year. It's one that they can get. And, you know, if you want to have a a five-win season or or so, it's one you have to have if that's the goal. But I I wouldn't be looking at it that way. Um, It's a game against a program that's in better shape right now than Ole Miss's just because Stoops has been there for a while and done a really good job, and Ole Miss has been a dumpster fire for four years. Uh, it's a winnable game, but I don't think it's a, a must-win. I don't. I hope that's not like a um, widely held belief among the fans uh, that a uh, a game in which you're a seven-point underdog in your second game of Lane Kiffin's tenure at Ole Miss after COVID is is a must-win. I don't know if I would ever uh, in 2020 classify a game like that, but that's just me. 
All right, let's turn the page here. Power rankings, week one overreaction power rankings in the SEC. Now, I wanted to do at first just based on performance, but of course there's going to be some projecting uh, in here. So I'm going to do this every week, I think. At some point I will power rank the SEC, and we only really have one game to go by. And so that skews these a lot. And I know a lot of you aren't going to like my number three selection, but, you know, things change over time. But here are my power rankings after one week in a little projecting based on what I think this team may or may not actually be, but mostly just looking at the week one performance uh, to make this judgment. Number one, I do have Alabama. I think Alabama is the most complete team in the SEC. I think their game against Missouri, they punched them in the mouth and just kind of cruised to the finish, didn't really care about burying them. It was a very typical Alabama game. Get out, dominate early, cruise to the finish. They're very complete. I think Mac Jones is very good at quarterback. I think they've got a defense that resembles an Alabama defense of a few years ago and not the one you saw last year or even the year prior. I think they're the most complete team in the SEC. They were really impressive against Missouri. Alabama is my number one team. Number two, I do have Florida. I think Alabama and Florida are on a collision course for the SEC championship. I do not expect either team to lose a game based on what I saw on Saturday. I know there are some questions about Florida's defense, but it might just be the fact that Ole Miss is a pretty good offense. I mean, that is possible that Ole Miss has an offense that Florida may not see again until they play each other in the SEC championship. That is a possibility. Um, In fact, it might even be reality. So I think Kyle Trask is great. I think he's got weapons. I think they will be fine defensively. Uh, I think Grantham's too good of a coordinator to let up. I know he's had his handful of games where, like, uh, Mississippi State-Alabama 2017 was brought up yesterday on the radio show where you just kind of left yourself scratching your head about what he was doing. But I think Florida's going to be fine defensively think they're going to win every game they play until the SEC championship. Florida is my number two team in the SEC. Right now, and you got to remember, it's just one game. Right now, I have Mississippi State number three. I mean, they went to Baton Rouge. They looked really good offensively. The defensive front seven is very good. Uh, I mean, when you have a veteran linebacker like they do, that certainly helps. But they're good on the defensive line. It's inexperienced. It's young, but they're good there. They're good at linebacker. I think people are are completely ignoring the fact that Miles Brennan, who was atrocious, threw for 340 yards in the game. I think Mississippi State has problems in the back end of their defense. At some point, I think it will be exposed. But for now, going to Baton Rouge and winning the way they did was more impressive than Auburn and Georgia and anybody behind them. So Mississippi State currently, I have at number three. At number four, I do have Auburn. Uh... Couldn't really run the football against Kentucky, and Bo Nix was better, but he still doesn't impress me as much as he does some people. I think in part, you have a lot of folks that cover the SEC that just want him to be good, and so they they see things that aren't really there. He's fine. He looked a little bit better than he did a year ago. I mean, it was, I mean, it may have been his best game efficiency-wise throwing the football, but if that's, if that's the bar, then it's not a very high bar. They're going to be good defensively. They've got talent all over the field. I question uh, their their weapons on offense. I question their ability to run the football, and I question Bo Nix. But for now, Auburn had a double-digit win at home against a pretty solid Kentucky team there, number four. 
Number five for me, and I hate this, I really hate this, is Georgia. I just didn't know what else to do with them. They struggled for three quarters against a, a hapless Arkansas team. Their roster is far better than they showed. Don't know what the hell they're going to do at quarterback because the freshman wasn't the answer. Uh, the word out of camp was that JT Daniels wasn't exactly separating himself anyway. So now that he's back, what are they going to do? And based on what we saw of Daniels when he was at Southern Cal, are we sure that he's going to be the difference compared to what we saw last Saturday? I don't believe in Georgia at all, honestly. I think they've got a couple of losses or more coming their way. I know they're really talented, but the offense is a huge question. Struggling the way they did against a a really bad Arkansas. What will be a really bad Arkansas is a huge red flag for me. And I don't think JT Daniels is going to be the answer that solves everything at all. Number five, that, that was Georgia. Number six, I hate this one too. But they did win the game. But I hate this. Is Texas A&M. Uh, not impressive at all against Vanderbilt. In fact, um, people keep saying that Kellen Mond is going to take the next step forward and yet he never takes that step forward and against a Vanderbilt team that they should have been a whole lot better than Kellen Mond got outperformed by a true freshman in Ken Seals. Kind of. That's a bit of a stretch. That's a bit of a hot take. But I like Seals. I think I think he's got some potential to be a pretty good quarterback there at Vanderbilt. Mond, not impressive at all. I mean, Isaiah Spiller saved them. Vanderbilt, people thought, was going to be historically bad. And yet, it took a bad on sportsmanlike conduct foul to end the game with a final score of 17-12. to 12. We will see about Texas A&M. They won the game, but I'm not in love with it. I think Mond is going to struggle like he always has. He didn't take a step forward, and Texas A&M is going to be what they've been over the last few years. This one's kind of hot takey, too. I think I have Ole Miss at number 7. I think uh, Ole Miss showed me more than Tennessee showed me in their win over South Carolina, and I think Ole Miss is a step ahead of Kentucky right now. Now, of course, we'll find out on Saturday. Maybe that'll prove me wrong, but Ole Miss racked up 600 yards of total offense against Florida. If a couple of bounces go their way, it's a different game. If the roughing the passer never gets called, if that holding call and the touchdown that was called back uh, and then the missed field goal followed that, um, that didn't look really like holding to me. And then the interception, the batted ball at the line of scrimmage, Matt Crowell was throwing to an open receiver. And it was batted at the line of scrimmage and intercepted. Ole Miss was right there with Florida. And I am more impressed with what Ole Miss did on Saturday than what Tennessee did. And I think they are a step ahead of Kentucky. I will pick them to win the game. There's a spoiler alert uh, for your Friday show. Uh, So I have Ole Miss at 7. Eight, like I just mentioned, Kentucky, uh, really solid defensively. Not a lot of people are going to score a lot of points on them. I don't believe in Terry Wilson. Uh, I've got an article up in front of me of uh, somebody asking the question uh, if they should go to Joey Gatewood if he gets cleared. Should they bench him? That's already uh, something that people are talking about. And so good enough defensively. Uh, I don't think Terry Wilson's the answer. I don't think they're going to score a lot on people. So they fall at number eight for me. Number nine is Tennessee. I know they won their game, and that should give them more points, but I don't know if you guys watched the game. It was ugly. South Carolina shot themselves in the foot. Jarrett Garantano is not a good quarterback. He's extremely inconsistent. He has some talent, but consistency is a real issue. 
I like Ty Chandler. I think he's a good back. But Tennessee is still one step behind everybody else in front of them, in my opinion. I think they won by default. I don't think they won because they're a good football team. And so I have Tennessee at number nine. I have LSU at 10. Uh, I I think they've got real problems. Uh, Miles Brennan, breaking news, more to 11. Miles Brennan is not Joe Burrow. It was his first start, but his pocket presence was abysmal. He looked terrified on the field, and he's not the best passer in the world. Yeah, he threw for 340, and I saw the LSU in-house media guy share a video of Brennan, uh, his first, I think it was his first or second touchdown pass, when he was falling away, he was about to get hit, and just kind of threw up a prayer, and it happened to get caught when it was an ill-advised poor throw across his body, across the field in the red zone, and I mean, it just, an ill-advised throw, whatever you call what it was, the in-house media guy um, said, like, the haters, something about the haters in sharing that video. And it's like, man, are you watching what you're sharing to everybody? That was a mistake. He threw across his body, across the field, a dangerous pass in the red zone, threw up a freaking prayer, and you're talking about the haters are mad? Get out of here. Um, he's not good. LSU's got problems on defense. LSU... Um, apparently does not have somebody that's as good as Clyde Edwards-Elaire, which, by the way, it's not Helaire. It is Elaire, as we have learned uh, with a Monday Night Football the other night. Steve Levy was saying it right. Everybody was ripping Steve Levy for not knowing his name. Turns out that's how it's supposed to be said, is Elaire, not uh, Helaire, Hilaire, as you hear from some people. Anyway, LSU right now, I think they're a five-loss team. Brennan was not good. They're lacking weapons. Struggle on defense. I don't think Stingley changes a whole heck of a lot because everybody else was bad too. Uh, that's a five-loss team. And so they're way down uh, on on my list. They were especially awful on Saturday. I have Missouri at 11. It's hard to gauge really what they are considering all the COVID absences and how good I think Alabama is. But I do think Missouri is um, they're going to win a handful of games. I think they're okay. They just ran into a buzzsaw in in game one. Number 12, I have Vanderbilt. They should be given credit for being competitive and being right there down the wire with a true freshman quarterback in College Station against Texas A&M. I have Arkansas at 13. Yeah, they held with Georgia for a little while, but their roster is severely lacking, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. They're not good in the trenches whatsoever. Franks is competent. Uh, He's not great, but he's competent. Uh, I think they'll have a chance to be in some games this season, but uh, Franks is is just competent, and otherwise the roster is really lacking. And finally, I have South Carolina. This is a bit of an overreaction. They probably should have won the game, but uh, questionable coaching decisions, a boring, slow, miserable offense. Uh... I think there's a chance that Vanderbilt beats South Carolina when they play. I think there's a chance that Missouri beats South Carolina when they play. Um, What I saw on the field was a team that needs new direction at head coach. They need a new style on offense. They need a complete and total reset. And they're, right now, my overreacted worst team in the SEC. And I'm sure all of you will agree with everything that I just said. 
anyway, those are fun. Uh, that's it for me. Don't forget to like and subscribe and leave a rating and a review to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Stop by LB's. Go see Greg. Tell him we sent you. Uh, we'll be back again on Friday. We'll have somebody that covers the team and, and interview to talk about Kentucky. We'll have some picks, all that good stuff, and also a post-game reaction show. I'm going to do that again, possibly on Periscope as well, to get some of your reaction in real time instead of just doing it completely on my own. So thank you again for making the podcast a part of your day. I've got to get work and prepared uh, for a radio show this afternoon. And uh, until Friday, have a great week. The weather's beautiful. Go take advantage. Um, Anyway, see you Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.